He has trained over 40,000 people, but Anton Joseph is more than just another fitness coach. He is one of the go-to strength and conditioning coaches in Canada, attracting clients from all over the professional sports spectrum. Joseph coordinated the construction of a massive recreation facility. He is the chairperson for the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Task Force with Hockey Alberta. He was inducted into the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame in 2018. He also teaches life strategy and business acumen. Anton is a complete package. Please welcome Anton Joseph. Well, Deb, you know how to make a black man blush, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that is I awesome. Thank I you. I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of it, but tell us a little bit about your background in sports. Well, I was lucky enough years ago to to be able to participate in sport and to be, be able to participate in a number of different sports. I wrestled at the national level, played rugby at a provincial level, and then played football at a high level as well. I was lucky enough to have a lot of individuals that saw something in me because I, I came from a family that didn't have a lot in terms of resources um, financially. But I had a lot of people that saw something in me and said, you know what, um, just come out, just take part, just... Uh, try this sport. As I started participating and, and started taking part, I realized that I can leverage sport as a, a vehicle to get my education. And then two, leverage to meet a number of individuals that I would have never met. I owe a lot to sport for sure. I was able to, one, get my education paid for, two, meet my lovely wife, three, be able to do what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I owe a lot to sport for sure. Is fitness development something you always wanted to do? No, believe it or not, I was actually going to be an engineer. Growing up, it was pounded in me by my dad that you need to uh, um, follow something that makes you money. So I was focused on going into engineering, more specifically electrical engineering. And then when I was 17, 18, I was just an odd job at a restaurant or what have you. And they en ended up pulling a midnight move. What ended up happening was... I was um, finding myself, one, needing to find some type of employment. So I ended up working for a windows and door manufacturing company. I'll leave the name out. But that being said, it made me realize that I don't want to work hard labor for the rest of my life. And I was complaining about it, actually, went to one of the individuals in the, in the gym that I was working out at. Then that individual said, well, you're almost 18. Why don't you get your certification as a strength instructor? And I thought, that's a great idea. I can uh, walk around, tell people to lift things and, and get paid for it. I thought, perfect. <laughs> and so when got my certifications, started off with the focus on getting, I got my aerobic certification, believe it or not, first of all. And I was in those uh, tight spandex tights and teaching aerobics and what have you. And taught aqua aerobics, even though I don't swim. <laughs> and then did my strength certification and and then it just blossomed from there for sure well when you started you weren't just an ordinary fitness trainer either uh what i remember and you founded strive fitness in 1995 yeah and by creating a new way to train you kind of customized the physical activity with technology tell us a bit about how that began i've been really fortunate in my career 
in terms of meeting different individuals, doing a number of different things. So back in 1993, I was in a position where I was, I had started back in 1990 in the industry and I was working as a personal trainer and working with general health and wellness clients and the odd athlete here and there. And then I got exposed to a program called the Frappier Acceleration Program, which was a uh, a revolutionary program at the time, utilizing different forms of technology, including a skating and running treadmill that was meant to work on improving stride length and improving stride frequency, getting in, in athletes stronger, faster, that sort of thing. From there, I was asked actually to participate in the program. And when at the time, I thought they meant as an athlete because I was playing Canadian junior football with the Calgary Colts at the time, but they had meant as an instructor. And Prior to 2000 or 1993, sorry, I was in a position where I had my certifications, but I hadn't had any formal post-secondary education yet, meaning that I hadn't gone to university. So I was really fortunate enough to be surrounded by all these exercise physiologists and individuals that had gone to school specifically for fitness. I ended up coming out of the program one of... Um, only a handful of individuals that continued on with that program. And throughout, we were able to work with so many individuals, including guys like uh, Gary Roberts, Joe Neuendijk, Trevor Kidd, Ron Stern, Sandy McCarthy, Haley Wickenheiser. I had a chance to work with Haley when she was 15 before, right when she made the national team at age 15. So um, it led to a number of different opportunities as it relates to athletic development. And it helped really cement where I wanted to go in terms of my career and, and how I wanted to go in terms of working with athletes and development of people. Was that how you kind of set yourself apart from the other millions of fitness trainers at the beginning? I've never really been one to worry about what everybody else was doing. A lot of the stuff that we did at the time in terms of instruction and, and training we just kind of did because that's what we thought was right. I've got a couple of good buddies, uh, Duff Gibson, for example. And Duff went on from Lindsay Park, uh, or now known as uh, Repsol. He went on from there to win a gold medal in the Olympics. Kelly Forbes, another great buddy of mine, went on from working there to working with the um, San Antonio Spurs in the NBA. He's currently there. It's neat to, the group of individuals that we had were all like-minded. And we're all driven and all focused, a little bit crazy, <laughs> a little bit intense and very driven. Like, it's funny because to prepare for our seasons, Kelly was playing basketball at, at the University of Calgary and was a junior national team player. I was playing football down at uh, Minot State at the time. For preparation, we would uh, play full court one-on-one -on -one games and literally chase each other up and down the court back and forth for, for hours. We did things that others wouldn't so that we could do things that others can't. To steal a quote from Jerry Rice there. Right. <laughs> Tell us about that construction aspect. How much goes on behind the scenes to it, take a vision and put it into physical form? It's like art. It's like being a politician, one, because you're dealing with <laughs> contractors and trades who speak a certain language. And when it comes down to it, anytime you're doing any type of construction, um, there's going to be issues. There's going to be bumps along the road. So I, I, I took it upon myself every Friday to show up with some uh, pizza and beer to the, to the work site. Part of that was because I knew that if I, I could work on developing a strong relationship with the trades people that were there on site, we could get 
things moved or adjusted or or uh, modified if necessary without having to put forth change orders and huge expenses. So one of the challenges when dealing with architects is that they have a great visual concept or artistic concept of what things are supposed to look like, but no practical experience. Case in point, for several of the uh, power outlets that were designed for the space, they put them in the middle of where windows were supposed to be. So with that, (laughs) You have to work with the tradespeople in order to get things done. I wasn't at the time as well versed in terms of construction, but you've got to gain a really good understanding of what's happening to oversee a project as we did. We managed to get the facility up and from from base building to putting up demising walls and up and operational within three months. It was hell. <laughs> but That being said, we were able to get it done a lot faster than most. If you can do that, when you're negotiating your lease, you you only are allotted a certain amount of time for build out. And so if you can maximize the the speed of that build out and then get the facility up and running, well, then it gives you a lot more uh, lead time as it relates to free rent, so to speak. So ironically, it sounds a little bit like book publishing. (laughs) Yep. The project management side. Um, oh, man. It's it's crazy <laughs> how many components and how many wheels have to turn at the same time in order to get to where you want to be, right? Right. It's, it's a process, but it's a, it, it, like everything in life, it's a learning process. Once you gain that experience, it's you have the ability to sh- share that with others, right? Exactly. And how did the Hockey Alberta program come about for you? So my involvement with Hockey Alberta came about through one of my clients. One of my clients, actually, I worked with both his boys. And at the time I was finishing my MBA, he actually sits on the board of directors with Hockey Alberta. He had approached me and he said, you know, we have this uh, EDI task force coming together. And I think you would be a great person to chair it. Um, Just with your background, your experience, the fact that you're finishing your MBA, um, it lends itself really good to what we're trying to achieve in terms of diversity, as well as having a a really good group of individuals together. Now, one would say, well, why am I involved if I didn't play hockey? Well, with my experience over the years and and the thousands of athletes that I've trained and the, the teams and organizations that I've worked with, I've been able to really get a good grasp of the culture of hockey and some of the things that have gone on and that go on as it relates to the locker rooms and culture and that sort of thing. So they felt that it was a good fit. And so I was able to meet with the um, CEO of Hockey Alberta and, and, and have a great conversation as it relates to my philosophy, my thoughts. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to lead the task force. And we've been able to do some really good work over the last year. And we've got some big things coming, including finishing up our overall survey that we're doing with the hockey population. Strive Fitness in 2019 partnered with the CAP Corporation. Mm -hmm. And you implemented the CAP's safety standard for concussion prevention. Uh, Tell me more about that program. Yeah. So once again... um, one of those situations where I was fortunate enough to um, approach by the CAP organization regarding concussion protocol. And as we know in sport, and that's one of the big buzzwords and big concerns right now when it comes to athletics is being in a position where we are able to mitigate the exposure and, and effects of concussion. With the amount of athletes that we work with on a day-to-day basis, I, I felt that it was a perfect fit to be able to address the means to not only 
develop or recognize when an individual has a concussion, but to then bring them along as it relates to the rehab side of things. We are able to work on their return to play component. One of the challenges when it comes to addressing concussions is to know when the athlete is ready to come back mm. and be able to participate. And at the end of the day, it's about making sure that the athlete's safe as well as making sure obviously that they're productive and able to do what they need to do on and on on and off the field but we've got to make sure that the athlete is ready to go and so to to have a whole rehab protocol to bring an athlete through from post-concussion incident to back to return to play is something that really approach really intrigued me and i we jumped jumped in with two feet with that program yeah it's an issue for sure and it's definitely all sports well, yeah, that's the thing. People don't realize that soccer, for example, female uh, women's soccer has one of the most largest proportions of concussions in any sport. But you you see it mainly in the the collision sports or the contact sports, like like football, like rugby, like um, hockey. That it's being publicized. I, I think if we can put a better spin on it. Uh, work on techniques and different things that we can do in order to improve an athlete's outcome if they were to suffer from any type of head trauma it'll help uh, it will help ensure that these sports can continue on successfully as time goes on i don't know if you're aware of this but i had a very severe concussion myself from horseback riding oh. falling off a full gallop head first that was probably before i got involved with the the football club that we were a part of. I had been working in direct sales at the time. Mm -hmm. I had to leave direct sales and eventually go into retail because the driving part used to used to knock me out. I'd be okay for three days and then I'd be in bed for two days. So I I can't remember how long it took to sort of recover from it, but I think it took about 11 months because it happened I think in January and it was about November when I realized oh I'm not getting those headaches anymore so but there's still today and that was back in the 80s and still today there's residual so yes concussion is very serious and and um well, I'm so glad to see that this program is available for Hockey Alberta well, actually, through Strive. Uh, and one, yeah. one of the things that we try to do is we try to go where athletes and where things haven't been before. For example, one of the things that I've done in the past, for example, was athletic training was introduce Olympic lifting with some of our soccer players. And I remember Thomas Neendorf was involved with the Calgary Storm and a number of other organizations here in town and currently has an academy out in Victoria. When Thomas, when I approached Thomas about doing the Olympic lifting, he said, Anton, in his strong German accent, you know, there's nobody in Canada doing this. And so he also is a player agent. So he had an opportunity to go to Europe and 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 work with a number of organizations there and he came back and he goes anton they're doing this with kids as young as 10 in terms of working on their their technique and, and that sort of thing i said yeah i know thomas he goes there's no one else in canada doing this i huh. go yeah i know thomas he goes this is good <laughs> because <laughs> we're able to push the envelope a little bit and and yeah. change things i've i've been lucky enough to have i would say close to at least 70 to 80 kids that 
end up becoming professional athletes uh, that I was working with. And, you know, to have had a hand in terms of their athletic development is huge for me. It gives me, it gives me the opportunity to really help people see who they could be physically and, and, and what have you. Like I've had, for example, Mike Shiroka, for example, who was drafted 28th overall in the MLB draft out of Calgary, end up getting drafted in the MLB. Won a World Series this year and with Atlanta. Individuals like like Gary Roberts, uh, I mentioned, but Ryan Getzloff, who at the time ended up 18th overall and is uh, drafted and Braden Covert, part of the draft as well. It's neat to see those, I call them kids, even though they're 30-some-odd-year-old men now, to, it's neat to see them grow as athletes and, and do the things that they've been able to do and to know that I've had a hand in that for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And you've got programs like the Fitness Industry of Council, Fitness Industry Council of Canada, which is a voice and advocate for the fitness industry and in their government program, Participation, mm-hmm. that promotes healthy living. How important are programs like this overall? One of the challenges that most individuals have is direction, right, and support. There's a ton of resources out there as it relates to health and wellness participation. You mentioned those organizations. Another organization that's huge is uh, Kidsport, for example, mm. in a position where they provide funding for kids to participate in amateur sport. All of those things are key to, one, keeping people out of trouble, one, and kids in, in, in the, as it relates to the kids sports component, but to giving people direction and education on where to go and what to do and, and how to do it and to be cost I was one of those individuals growing up where I didn't have the, the financial resources to participate in sport, but I was lucky enough that I had coaches and mentors and individuals that saw something in me and said, you know what, don't worry about the registration, just come out or just, just take part and, and we'll worry about things, uh, everything else later. It gave me my career path. It gave me my direction. I think sport, as well as fitness, can ground people and give people the ability to deal with things when adversity hits. And let's face it, adversity hits us at all points in our lives. Right. <laughs> but if you're physically strong and mentally tough, you can deal with it. And it, it's just a matter of figuring out what gaining your strength whether it's by lifting iron or going for a run or going for a walk or doing something in order to gain that uh, perspective right and you've been 30 years in the sport and fitness industry and it's huge the 2020 stat is from statista is that the global gym market is worth 96.7 billion dollars with 184 million gym members So over these years, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the fitness industry at this time? Well, a couple things. One, gone are the days where you just have muscle-bound guys that are in the gym just working out and what have you. (laughs) So you're seeing all different populations. For example, I have one of my clients participates in group training three days a week. She's 79 years old. Oh, right? cool. And and so you have all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different experiences taking part in the in in the gym industry. The other thing that I've noticed is less of a focus on on aesthetics per se. Not to say that aesthetics isn't a, a major motivator for some individuals, but it's it's 
more of a, a healthier lifestyle mantra for, for a lot of the individuals, even though people want to feel comfortable in their skin and, and that yeah. sort of thing. The other aspect I would suggest is that there's a big push on creating community within facilities. Now, um, gone are the days where gyms would open and hope that their clientele wouldn't show up <laughs> because, <laughs> um, because they're just wanting to sell as many memberships as possible and not facilitate those memberships. Um, gyms and organizations are now creating true community so that individuals are taking part in activity both in and outside of the facility. And that's one of the most exciting things too. It's neat to see people in different environments out, just outside of the facility, right? I have individuals that I've known for years that, that we've worked with that I'm now training their kids or working with their um, friends and family. We don't actually advertise a lot. It's just mostly word of mouth. Because of the relationships that we've been able to build, it's helped grow our business, unlike a lot of gyms where they don't necessarily want you to come back. And in Europe, Eurostat reports 28% of Europeans exercise maybe five hours a week. It doesn't sound like much. I'm not sure what the stats are in North America, mm -hmm. but you just can't generalize a program for everybody, can you? I mean, five hours a week may be great for some other, like for non-elite elite athletes that is mm -hmm. uh, but you know some like the 79 year old she may or may not be able to do five hours a week so well, she it's insane how good a shape she is <laughs> it's funny because i had a client for example she was this was another client who was i would say in her mid-60s at the time and one of my soccer kids at the wrong time and rather than send them away my female client she said you know well why don't he just work out with me and she buried him. <laughs> she absolutely <laughs> buried him in terms of the workout itself to the point where he, he ended up having to go throw up and come back. And, he, and, and it was one of those situations where it was funny because a couple of weeks later, she had asked me, uh, Anton, when am I going to get into being in really good shape? And I laughed and I said, you're in phenomenal shape. Why would you say that? And she goes, well, it's not getting any easier. <laughs> and I yeah. said, well, it's my job to make it harder, right? And then progression allows the body to uh, be in a situation where you're constantly having to overcome whatever load or whatever adversity that you're putting on it, right? And it's through that process of, of making it harder and changing it, the body learns to not adapt to the physical activity that you're doing. So that's why it's necessary to always look at getting some type of direction from an individual that's qualified for your training so that you don't adapt to the same activity over and over again. Case in point, mm -hmm. I had an individual that said to me, I came to me and she said, you know, I, I tried train strength training and it's not working. I said, okay, well, what have you been doing? She goes, you know what? I've been working out for the last two years and I haven't seen any changes. I said, okay, well, what exercises are you doing? And so she shows me all the exercises that she was doing. And I said, okay, well, how often have you changed the weight? that you're lifting. And she goes, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. So she was doing lifting the same weight over and over. There was no progressive overload. There was no challenging herself as she got stronger and adapted to the weight that she was using. It just, she just continued to do what she was doing. You got to go through some of the adversity to overcome that adversity to become stronger. And same with strength training. You have to overcome the weight that you're lifting in order to become stronger and then constantly push yourself, right? So. 
it's uh, a lot of metaphors, but at the same time, it, it applies to life, right? It's about uh, putting yourself out there and, and trying to reap the benefit from it for sure. But it isn't just about being the perfect specimen for the cover of Vogue or men's no. fitness magazine. Today, we're kind of looking at holistic process. Also, if you're just starting out from nothing and you mm -hmm. just eat processed foods and you never get off the couch, yep. you can't just jump in and do an hour a day. You have to kind of start small, don't you? Well, yeah, it's like the analogy. When, when is the best time to plant an oak tree? Well, 40 years ago, <laughs> when is the next best time today, right? And so to, to get started, the, the key is to not to try to jump in and where you were 20 years ago or 15 years ago or whenever. It's do what you need to do in order to push yourself today and then take one more step forward and one more step forward. So often you see the big uh, push in January, everybody and their dog is is into fitness and ready to go. I actually get busy usually the second or third or fourth week in January. That's because most people try to do it on their own mm -hmm. and then they fail and then they call me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the cleanup crew. I come and clean up everybody's mess and, and deal with the injuries and deal with some of the things that they've put themselves in. But at the same time, it's about direction, right? It's also looking at diet and nutrition and, and mobility and, and cardiovascular fitness and there's a whole gamut of things that need to come together in order to affect change physically. Inclusive fitness is a term being used lately. What does that mean? Well, I would suggest inclusive fitness means about being in a position where you are looking at as many different components of your overall fitness level and being in a position where you're 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 including activities and and opportunities that you can do in everyday life all right as opposed to being in a position where you're just going to the gym you're just working out what have you you're doing the things that like for example we're fortunate enough to be in a position where we have the rocky mountains and some of the best best scenery in in the world what good is lifting a dumbbell or working out when you can't walk go for a hike or, or go for a bike ride or do the things that are necessary in order to enjoy that experience so that that's my definition of it being in a position where you're able to extract from all different areas and affect your overall health and wellness and be able to actually enjoy life and live your life as opposed to just being so specialized in one specific area mm -hmm. and are many workouts the same or how do they differ from the high intensity interval trainings? Well, it, it all depends on what you're training for. So from, for example, you mentioned uh, hit training or high intensity training. Um, everything is meant to tax the body in some way, shape or form. It's based on your overall and current fitness level. So if you're in a position where you're a high performance athlete, you've been training for X amount of years, you still can be pushed as it relates to your physical conditioning. It's going to be at a higher level than just uh, your average individual that's just getting involved in, in terms of fitness. Based on the, your needs will dictate what your and your needs and your goals will dictate what type of program you're going to do. So say, for example, my goal is to run a marathon. I'm going to train completely different in completely different systems than I would, for example, to put on muscle mass and to get bigger and stronger for football. Each program is going to be unique based on goals and based on your 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 intensity and what you want to do with your fitness level. So often, 
and I always say this when, when a new client comes in, I, I, I tell them, tell me what your dreams are. They said, well, you know, I want to lose a little bit of weight and I want to do this and I want to, and I said, no, no, be in a position where you quantify what you want. That way you're in a position where it's like going on a road trip. If you don't know where you want to be, where you want to end up and you're just driving aimlessly, how are you going to end up getting anywhere, right? It's about figuring out what that goal is. And then it's my job as a strength conditioning coach to lay out the road trip to get you to that destination as quickly as you possibly can be, right? And from there, we're going to have detours along the way. <laughs> we're going to have situations where you might have an issue come up in your life or you might be in a situation where you have an injury or this or that. It's my job to get you back on that road and get you back to where you mm -hmm. want to be. Forbes also describes the future of fitness as being in three categories, virtual and at home training, mm -hmm. emerging of fitness and wellness and diversity. Mm -hmm. So does that sound about right? 100%. And you know what? Uh, that has been magnified by the pandemic. So I remember, so here in Calgary, we were locked down in March 15th was the day that everything kind of shut mandated by the uh, federal and provincial governments. I sat for about two days trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do because we had to close our facility. We had a number of athletes, a number of teams and groups coming in for training. After sulking for a couple of days, I was fortunate enough to have some technology, so camera technology, and I had a full gym at my house. And I'm like, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to go virtual with everything that we provide. So online training online stream, live classes, the whole nine yards. Within about two weeks after, like I said, after moping and trying to figure out what I was going to do, believe it or not, we had anywhere from 50 to 100 people per session online. Wow. It was opened up to uh, one of this, our soccer partners, uh, Calgary Southwest United Soccer, who has several thousand kids. And they just put a blank email out to say, invite individuals out. We ended up filling up with 100 people within seconds. And so I was running both private sessions and group sessions anywhere from six to eight hours a day, six days a week out of my basement. And I started thinking, you know, this is amazing because there were some individuals that I had never met and that I still haven't met that I've had started working with as clients, mm -hmm. including teams and organizations. So it was a phenomenal opportunity. That being said, there were a lot of gyms that closed down. There were a lot of gyms that went bankrupt. There's a lot of individuals that left the fitness industry because of the adversity. But, you know, it, it's amazing what happens when, I always say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. <laughs> if you can be in a situation where you put your mind to work and figure out what you want to do and, and how you want to go about it, you can solve anything, any any problem. But technology also made me realize that I could train and work with individuals from anywhere in the world. And it's countless the amount of individuals that you can, if you put your mind to it. Yeah, with the diversity part, I think it would be kind of cool to see drag fitness classes too. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> that would definitely be interesting. I, you know what, I, and it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've had individuals of different orientations and what have you take part in, in fitness programming. Fitness is something that is universal. It's not something that is necessarily fits in one box and is only for a certain type of individual. You're seeing fitness going mainstream, especially with social yeah. media, TikTok and Instagram and, 
and Facebook have really propelled and made it okay for individuals to provide instruction remotely and to be in a situation where it is sought after as it relates to a healthier lifestyle or, or like I said, feeling better in your skin. I think the challenge though is making sure as a consumer that you're getting the right information based mm-hmm. on what your goals and aspirations are and, and then not falling for some of the fads and some of the uh, hocus pocus that's out there as it relates to the fitness industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Some yeah. good, some really bad, but yep. <laughs> he is to be in a situation where as a consumer, you really just decide who and, and what you're, where you're going to get your information from. So it's not easy to get up for a workout for anyone like nope. that client of yours said it's it's harder every time as a trainer mm-hmm. how do you do it don't you just want to stay in bed some days <laughs> well i'm up at 4 4 35 o'clock every morning every morning and you know what the, part of it is just from habit i've had clients that have trained that early my first client is usually around six seven o'clock in the morning so i'm crack of dawn up and people ask me well when do you go to sleep and i go to i say well you know what uh, 10 10 30 at the latest but it's about routine if you can create a routine where you're doing something positive with it even though it doesn't feel like it with the first first week or first month if you can create that routine it becomes habit and habit becomes rewarded action um, reward so often we don't give ourselves a chance to be successful because we come up with reasons and excuses why Mm-hmm. Um, like anything in life, I could have complained and said the first year that I played football, for example, back in high school or back in, back in Bantam football, I was 94 pounds. My mom went to one game that I ever played. I played Bantam, played three years high school, played you know, five years Canadian junior, played four years U.S. college. My mom went to one Bantam game and she thought I was going to die on the field. So she didn't want to witness it. Right. And so... I could have come up with an excuse and say, you know what, I'm too small, I can't play. But I decided, you know what, I was going to do what I needed to do in order to learn how to get bigger, stronger, and faster in order to play. So I started working out. And from there, five days a week, I continued to work out and get stronger and stronger and stronger. Just like one of my clients, he, he had said, you know, Anton, I only gained five pounds a year, but it was over, unfortunately, it was over 20 years. And so... <laughs> All of a sudden, he went from 200 pounds to being over 300 pounds. It was a habit. He had a habit of not eating throughout the day, drinking a full carafe full of uh, coffee all day, and then would eat a massive meal and go to sleep. So by changing his habits, getting him to eat more balanced meals throughout the day, getting him to be phys- getting him physically moving, getting him doing the little things that he needed to do, he dropped 100 pounds in about eight months. Right. Mm. So it just takes time, takes time, consistency and persistency for sure. Who is, was your biggest source of inspiration to where you are getting, where you are now? I would say, well, sport wise, I was a Walter Payton fan. I was a huge Walter Payton fan. Yes. Yeah. Sweetness. The work ethic that he had, the dedication that he had, he was, believe it or not, in his first year of college. And here's a guy at one time, the all-time leading, um, uh, rusher in the NFL. His first year of college, he was in the band. He was in the band, in the stands, playing playing an wow. instrument. But he, there was something about the sport that he loved and he wanted to participate in. And 
It led him to the highest pinnacle of, of the sport. Uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I've seen a lot of individuals that are a lot more talented than I ever was, but didn't necessarily want to put in the work. True. And didn't want to necessarily get up early and do the workouts and to do the running and, and everything else. It's funny when you have a lot of people that's, that you grow up with or individuals that say, well, I could have done this or I could have done that. Right. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I've never understood that kind of mentality. Either you do or you don't. Either yeah. you uh, to steal from Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. Right? Right. <laughs> right? You just go out there and do. And I've, I've even probably about three years ago, I was in a position where I was kind of, you know, a little bit of a funk and trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I had done everything that I needed to do in, in terms of sport and training and everything else. I decided I'm going to go back and do my, my master's degree in business. And people are like, why would you do that? You work for yourself. It doesn't make any sense and this and that. But it was something that I wanted to do to push myself to make myself better. So often we don't get outside of our comfort zone and we don't look at ourselves in the mirror and say, can you do more? Can you be more? Can you help more? That being said, it almost killed me. It was hell, but I got it done. And it's something that I'm very proud of. And the next step is to to constantly push yourself and push myself to learn. And I advise individuals, if you're out there not kind of figuring out what you want to do, get outside of your comfort zone. Do something that you would never think that you would do because it'll give you the, that ability to really look at yourself and be proud of what you can accomplish well that is a very perfect way to end this broadcast thank you so much anton thank you so much for inviting me it was a, it was a pleasure absolutely hmm.